Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hoping that as a Monday your week is starting well. If you're not listening to this on a Monday and you're listening on some other day, I'm hoping that your day is going well. Even if your day has only just started, you're starting with listening to me, so of course your day's going well. I hear you. Um, today's episode, uh, today's adventure is brought to you from a car journey. So if you hear car noises or if you hear me go blank and vacant, it's only because I'm trying to stay alive. Um, <laughs> I've just been listening to a podcast for a really gregarious, uh, gregarious um, American guy and it's it's definitely put me in a talk show host kind of mood. Um, so if you're noticing that there is a slight change, then that would be it. My parents, as I was growing up, said the toughest thing about, about me was that I used to imitate what I was watching quite a lot. So they would see my characteristics change and mould on a regular basis. And together they would talk in private and go, who has he been watching recently? Where is this coming from? What is going on? What is happening here? Uh, I believe the uh, the most enjoyable one was after I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean and thoroughly enjoying uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. My parents saw a lot of his actions and uh, this was, <laughs> I think, around about the time that I was coming out as well. So they didn't know what was happening. It was I like going through a complete change of personality was was this the new version of me? Was this the suppressed version of me? No, no, it's just him being Captain Jack. So kudos to them for surviving me. Uh, kudos to you for enduring me. Um, so I'm going to be revisiting um, Adoption Support Fund. But before I do, I wanted to just sort of give you a little a little home update, tell you how life is with, uh, with our our guides. So little dude, um, we went out, um, dad and I went out for drinks and um, we went out for drinks at the weekend and little dude was going to have a friend over but that friend couldn't make it in the end. Uh, so oh, you know, you could do X, Y, Z. And he was like, no, no, I've got my evening plans. I was like, oh, what's, what's your evening plans? Um, he was most excited because Eurovision was on. He was he had planned his takeaway. He had planned how the night was going to go. And he was so thrilled that he was going to have an evening of watching Eurovision. Sometimes I do blame the parents. Um, <laughs> and we sort of were on our way home. And sort of, I sort of dropped him a text and said, you know, on, on our way now. And um, he said, oh. I'm well proud of myself. He phoned me. He said, I'm so proud of myself. I said, why? What? what? And he said uh, they'd been sat there and he had seen some commotion in the garden. So he went out to see what was going on. We have a, uh, a robin had made a nest in our shed. So he was giving them a lot of space. Um, little dude found one of the, the younger birds in a bit of distress on the patio. Um, so he leapt into action and was able to get some surgical gloves on, pick up the birds, see what was going on. It chirped, it screamed, it was not impressed. Um, turns out this bird had a tick on it um, and was really quite distressed. So little dude 
again, thinking about his life entering into the world of surgery. He got got out a uh, set of tweezers and he performed veterinary surgery. Um, and he removed the tick from the bird and he then built a nest for the bird in the shed. The following morning when we got to see, um, we went and had a look. There is a photo on our Instagram. It's not particularly clear because of distance and stuff, but it was absolutely adorable. This little box that he had made and this nest that he'd made for this little bird. And the bird is doing really, really well. Um, I say the bird, I'm, I'm assuming it's a robin, um, but it's not got the red chest. Um, but I'm assuming as a chick that wouldn't be there. But all is well. So super, super proud of the little man um, and told him so. Um, so that's all cool. That's all good. Um, coming back to the topic, ASF, Adoption Support Fund. So we spoke about this a few weeks ago. We spoke about um, how the Adoption Support Fund works, highs, lows, bits in between. Um, and in that episode, I raised the question of, is it, is it a, a benefit to adopters? Is it, is it working, basically? Um, well, as part of my um, role within Adopter Voice, I went out to adopters and I actually asked the question. I asked those questions and I sort of checked in to to find some feedback on what people thought about the Adoption Support Fund. Um, the feedback was really interesting, really, really interesting. And something that I, you know, I, I put in my report and I can't stress enough, it is obvious that the Adoption Support Fund has made a difference and has really helped so many families and that is wonderful um but what i found was really interesting was um i'm going to use this language the the dependence on the adoption support fund so i asked the question of if if in march when the government asked the question of should we extend it if at that point they had said no what would that look like what would happen um and what i found really interesting was adopters in by and large would say we would fund that therapeutic support privately um we would find that support ourselves we would have concerns that we might not be finding the right support but we would definitely try um and like I say, by and large, this is what people were saying. They were saying, hey, you know, we know that we would need it, so we would fund the therapy privately. Re obviously, no surprise, no shock that, of course, parents would step up to the plate and they would do what they have to do, because that's what you do. Um, so that, that wasn't surprising. Um, it was It was pleasant to see. But it, it wasn't surprising. Um, a couple of, well, quite a few people talked about how if they didn't have the fund, they were really quite concerned 
about the implications this would have, the struggles that they would then go through, and the language that was used was, I'm not sure if we would be able to continue as a family. I'm not sure we would be able to cope. Would, would the loss of the ASF lead to an adoption breakdown? Um, which I thought was really scary to hear. Um, not unexpected, I guess, but scary to hear. Um, and I think it kind of hits home about sort of the needs that these families have and the needs that the children have. But what I really, really sort of honed in on was the the thought process of therapy and therapeutic solutions. The ASF is put in place to offer and to fund therapeutic support. This then led me to ask the question of, by having the ASF and by having it funding towards therapy, does that make us naturally think of therapy as a solution first? Do we, do we, because that's what it funds and because that is the sort of the suggestions and the recommendations, do we as adopters, do we as parents then go, well, our children obviously need therapy then. So I would pay for a therapist because that's what we obviously need. If the ASF had never existed and there were other holistic support methods put in place and other sort of solutions put in place, would that mean that adopters were thinking of more support networks, support groups, training, all of those things, and therapy would be the last resort? As a, as a nation, um, and I believe as a, as a world, we are getting so much better at understanding mental ill health. The pendulum was so far over one end where we just didn't understand, didn't, and it, we buried our head in the sand and said it didn't exist. The pendulum, I believe, has swung quite ferociously the other way now, which it needed to, and it always does. But as a result, like we talked about on last week's episode about language, does that then mean that everyone thinks that it's a mental health issue first? Does everyone then leap to the, the fear or worry that that is what is needed first? Now, as you know, I am not a therapist, so I don't know. I am only using my voice and thinking out loud, essentially, and telling you what I think about all of these things. And there's every possibility that you disagree, and that's all good. <laughs> I encourage disagreement. Um, but I, I became very aware that therapy was the solution that was being suggested. And it then made me reflect and think and go, well, when Little Dude joined our family, 
we were told that his needs were huge and that he was one of our agency's hardest to place children because of his behavioural issues and because of his future prognosis. I remember at that time sort of arguing quite quite passionately saying I need to make sure that if if one day he needs to access therapy, he should be able to access therapy and it not cost us. I remember talking about this on the ASF episode, so I won't go through that all over again. So I remember having that in my mind and saying, I want to make sure that there is something in place to protect him if he needs it. I remember this. Then I remember when Little Dude moved in with us, we did have attachment-focused counselling, um, which was aimed by, for the, for the most part, that was Dad and I had those sessions. Um, but thereafter, we attended training, we expanded our support group, we found people that could help us and did help us. We ensured that Little Dude was a part of groups and activities that were not adoption related. So as to understand, for us to understand what was normal behavior for children of that age, um, for him to see that, we did all of those things. And the results are, I am biased, of course I'm biased. The results are, little dude is a very well-adjusted young man. And when he first moved in with us, he was aggressive, violent, verbally aggressive. Um, He was really angry, but actually really sad. Um, and he had a real issue around food. All of those things happened, every single one of them. But, and those first 18 months, they were tough, they were hard work. Um, and they were scary because we didn't know what we were doing. We were trying our best, but always worrying was it good enough? Um, But we continued on. We persevered with our approach because we started to see every now and then you just saw a little tweak. Something happened and you go, okay, things are changing. I'm seeing a difference here. Let's see what this looks like. And that made an enormous impact. Enormous impact. Now, little dude is incredible. Absolutely incredible. He... If he has a strop, it's because he's a teenager. <laughs> um, and they are so few and far between. Our family dynamic is that of us enjoying our lives together and having fun and him growing and and maturing and being fantastic. Has he accessed counselling? Yes, through his school, 
he has access and counselling. Did he need it at the time? Sure, it was good to explore. I don't know how beneficial it was because I never communicated with the counsellor and the concerns that the schools had around his behaviour didn't change. Um, so I don't know. I'm not saying it didn't help, but I'm not convinced that it changed anything. Um, I think what changed for us was was us being parents and just working as a unit to help with his behaviours and, and his, his worries and concerns. Um, I do not think that we are extra special. I don't think that we did anything that was impossible and I don't think we did anything that was unique. The reason I say those things, it's not so as you can all flood me with messages of, oh no, you are wonderful. I know I am. It's more, I guess to hammer home the point of, we're not special, we're, we're, we're just parents and we just got on with it. And as a result, little dude is doing really, really well. The reason I say it like that is because because we're not special, because we're not unique, it means that you can do it too. And some of you might be saying, oh yes, but you don't even know what I'm going through. Of course I don't, no, you're absolutely right. Of course I don't. And your situation may be significantly harder because how do you measure that? How, how do you measure whether one's child's behavior is tougher than another person's child's behaviour because it's actually, it's how you react to it, it's all of the circumstances around that, you are human you have to add the human factor um, so putting all of those things into perspective no, I don't know if your situation is, is tougher than mine, I, I don't I know what I was told and I know how difficult I was told it was going to be and I know how difficult it was If I say that we just never saw that there was a, an opportunity to fail, and I'm not saying that you are failing. Okay, I was just interrupted by a phone call. Rude. Um, so if I pick up the thread at the wrong point, hey, you know how this works. Um, one of these days, I should actually find someone that can edit podcasts. Um, Who's got the time for that, though? We just like to record and go out raw. Um, so, yeah, your your situation could be worse. It could be, you could be going through all kinds of stuff, and I'm not belittling what that is. I genuinely am not, and I'm not saying that, oh, well, we did it, so you should just, you know, get on with it. I'm not saying that. There are many times when it's evident that our children have endured a trauma and do you know what? They need professional support and guidance. Totally agree. Now, what I actually recommended within my report was that there is a fresh look at the ASF and how it is used. What I've said is it is 
evident how invaluable it is. It is evident how important adopters find it and how if it wasn't in place, they would put something in place themselves. What I am suggesting is that we look at an adjustment. The adjustment that I would like to consider is moving over to more parent-led therapy, parent-led support. I believe it comes back to the old adage of buy a man a fish, eat for a day, teach a man to fish and eat for the rest of his life. In relation to this, get the child some therapy, they'll be supported for now. Teach parents how to therapeutically parent and the family dynamic will be better for life. I do, like I say, I do believe that there are times and there are occasions when actually the child will need that therapeutic support. No question. But I think we need to change the ASF to be focused more on parents. Giving, giving therapeutic training to our parents, teaching them how to be better parents, teaching them how to better identify therapeutic needs, and how better to therapeutically parent their children is a better solution, in my opinion. That is my advice. That is my viewpoint. Um, we had attachment-focused counselling. It gave us a lot of tools. It, particularly Dad, because um, he needed some, through some some issues that he was having, he he found that invaluable. And it got him to be in a much stronger place. That's what we're looking for. He became a better parent because he received that support. Like I say, when Little Dude went to counselling, I never met the counsellor, I never spoke to the counsellor, I had no knowledge of any of the conversations that they had with Little Dude. I had no idea what advice and guidance, what support, anything. I had nothing. No knowledge whatsoever. How has that helped? How has that helped me and little dude? Did little dude get benefit from it? I don't know. Because little dude is avoidant. So when I asked him how those sessions went, the way that he described it was, yeah, it was all right. I kind of just played this game, that game, didn't really want to chat about stuff, so I told him I didn't want to talk about it. And we carried on doing this. Now, I genuinely believe that that counsellor is well-versed in what they're doing. So, of course, they found a way to get some more information out of Little Dude. But as an avoidant person, he's not going to tell me what that was. So, I don't even know how they move forward. And I don't even know if they did move forward. I don't even know if they talked. <laughs> so, yeah. In my humble opinion... We needed to be more engaged. We needed to be more, more aware and thinking about this and understand what we could do to support. So I think that the ASF needs to have a greater focus on adopters instead of adoptees because the adoptees will inevitably benefit.
I also think, and through a conversation I had with someone, I think, you know, again, it's the buy-in. Um, just by you listening to this, I'm assuming that you have bought into it. But I am a better parent because I get to go and deliver um, the preparation training and other training days. When I do that, I am regularly reminded of some of the things I should be looking out for, some of the awareness that I need to have. As a result, I'm constantly learning. You need to do that too. Once your child or children are placed with you, don't switch off. Stay engaged with the adoption community. Stay engaged with it because it's always learning. It's always growing. So let it grow. Let it develop. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, those were my recommendations. Those were my findings. Um, I've got another another set of questions going on around children's behaviours, what they look like, and how we can help. So I'm interested on that one, uh, and I shall feedback ASAP. Um, until then, thank you, you beautiful people, for tuning in, listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope the uh, the episode has brought you much much wisdom. Um, but as always, maybe it's raised some questions. Maybe, maybe it's made you reconsider something. Maybe you think I'm completely wrong. Maybe. Either way, drop me a line. Find us on Facebook or Instagram, um, adoption.adventures, Twitter, adoptionadvent1. Uh, drop me an email, adoptionadventures123 at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. Um, and whenever I do, if there's an opportunity for me to then throw that into the into the mix and as, as an episode, then that is what we do. I, I will design my episodes around what you need to hear more on. So uh, thank you for listening. I love you and tuning in. It's fantastic. Um, And I shall speak to you again next week.